You're listening to The Sigrun Show, episode number 349. In this episode, I talk to Deborah Maldonado about the shadow of success. Welcome to The Sigrun Show. I'm your host, Sigrun, creator of Samba, the MBA program for online entrepreneurs. With each episode, I'll share with you inspiring case studies and interviews to help you achieve your dreams and turn your passion into profits. Thank you for spending time with me today. Building an online business takes time. I share with you proven strategies to help you get there faster. You'll also learn how to master your mindset, up-level your marketing, and succeed with masterminds. In today's episode, I speak with Deborah Maldonado, who is the CEO of Creative Mind Media a personal development and coach training company founded with her husband, Dr. Robert Maldonado. Together, they have trained thousands of people across the world in their creative mind method, a coaching system to help individuals become their true self based on Carl Jung's concept of individuation, brain science, and Eastern philosophy. In this episode, we get really deep on how you can embrace the whole of you and have more success in love, life, and business. Before we dive in, I want to announce the first two speakers of the Self-Made Summit. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while or followed me online, you know that my biggest and boldest project to date is a conference for female entrepreneurs in Iceland in June 2020. A year ago, I put a date on my dream, and since then, I've been working hard on the concept for this one-of-a-kind conference with amazing speakers that will wow you away with their stories, insights, and lessons. The first speaker I want to announce is my friend and mastermind buddy, Caitlin Becher. She is a mom, wife, and CEO of a multi-million dollar business that she built from scratch. Her signature program, Scale of Success, helps online course creators generate predictable, scalable revenue so they can get off the launch roller coaster for good. Caitlin lives in San Francisco, California with her young daughter and husband, and she is going to speak at the Self-Made Summit in Reykjavik, Iceland in June 2020. The second speaker I want to announce is Denise Duffield Thomas. I want to call her a mentor, a role model, a woman that I look up to since I started my online business, and I'm so happy that she accepted the invitation to come to Iceland and speak at the Selfmade Summit. Denise is the money mentor for the new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She helps women charge premium prices, release the fear of money, and create first-class lives. Her books, Lucky Bitch, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch, and Chillpreneur give a fresh and funny roadmap to living a life of abundance without a burnout. Her money bootcamp has helped over 6,000 students. She calls herself a lazy introvert, a Hay House author, and an unbusy mother of three. She owns a rose farm and lives by the beach in sunny Australia. Yes, she's coming all the way from Australia to Iceland to speak at the Selfmade Summit for you. More amazing speakers will be announced in the upcoming months, but early bird tickets for the Selfmade Summit are only available until December 1st, 2019. 
Go to the show notes of Sigma.com forward slash 349, where you can find out more about the Selfmade Summit and secure your early bird tickets, plus all the links to Deborah, Maldonado, and Creative Mind Media. I'm so excited to be here with my friend and former mastermind buddy, Deborah Maldonado. We've been trying for ages to set up this interview, and finally, we are here, and I couldn't be happier. Thank you for coming on the show, Deborah. Oh, it's so great to be here. It's so great to see you again, <laughs> even if it's through the computer. Yes. And I know we, we have a great topic coming up to talk about the shadow of success and the emotions that come up when you're building your business. But before we come to that, I always like to dig into the past a little bit, like what did people do before and how did you end up doing the work you're doing today? Well, I actually did marketing. Uh, I was in the marketing uh, field. I worked at MTV Networks in New York City. I worked at radio stations. And then um, when I moved to Colorado, I ended up working uh, at a, a lot of startup internets in the 90s, back when they had the dancing gifts. And I mean, I was an internet geek way in the beginning. I wrote code. I mean, I did it all. And uh, the whole time, I was also on the side doing personal development because I was single and I was looking for, I want to find love this marketing thing. It's okay, but I really want to find love. I didn't even think about being an entrepreneur. But as I started working on personal development, I started looking at these teachers and I was like, wow, it would be great to teach workshops. It would be teach, great to do what my, my friends are doing. They're out there like helping people. And, and I was just trying always in the back of my mind of how I could make that happen. But I was afraid to leave the corporate job. I was making good money. And then I got laid off. And uh, when I got laid off, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I went to hypnotherapy school and I trained as a hypnotherapist. And because I had an internet marketing background, I put, had my website up. I knew how to get traffic. And I just basically went out and made my business. And within the first 18 months, I was up to six figures as a hypnotherapist. So it was really like I knew I had it in me. So it was a very challenging year. It was very scary to do it, but it was like there was no turning back. So and then after uh, about a year I was doing that, I met Rob, my husband, and this, he was a psychologist. And then we started kind of talking about what he does, what I do. And he took me to another level of personal development, which is all his psychology background. And we talked about Jungian psychology and the idea of the shadow and a deeper level of the unconscious that I worked with as a hypnotherapist. And I started like having him interview on my little radio show. And then we started working together and then we started our company. Eventually he left his practice and we are working together now. And we are actually developed a whole system in a coaching model around Jungian psychology and how people can go deeper with their clients in the unconscious, work with dream interpretation, but also, um, you know, really get to the root of what's stopping them in their life and in a coaching model. So it's not therapy. And so now we train coaches to do that. And so it's been a great journey. And, and I get to do it with the love of my life, which is how I started this whole thing in the first place. So I feel like I've come first, full circle and um, I just love what I do. And if I had like millions of dollars in the bank, um, I would do this for free because I just love it so much. So, you know, you're doing the right thing when you don't feel like you have to get paid for it. But I do like getting paid for it. <laughs> yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> That's why we met at a mastermind group together, because you were also working on that part as well. So how long has that been since uh, your husband left the psychology practice and you decided to put your 
forces together, so to speak? Uh, seven years ago, seven and a half years ago. So we've been doing this. We've had classes every year, and now we're moving up to twice a year. We're, we're bringing students in and doing some continuing education, and it just keeps growing. So it's been a really fun journey, and the people that we work with, we see them change, and then to have them pass the torch on to other people, it's so so fulfilling for us to see them become teachers as well. And so they're kind of following my path in a way, you know, looking for love, but then becoming a coach and then helping others. So it's been really great. That was for a time your angle, right? Starting with love. uh, I know that's not necessarily the case today, but it's interesting to see an evolution of a company and how you can pivot. So just take us back to the time, like you really had this was your, let's say, hook or the first course people would buy from you was how to find the love of your life? Engaged in a year. Engaged in a year. <laughs> you even had that promise. Yes. And uh, so it was a big, we did that for years. And uh, what we found is that when women did the process, they came like, I want to find a man. And then they were discovered they found themselves because we really taught them go inward. We don't teach dating tips or changing your profile. It's like, what's going on inside? And they discovered really who they are. And then they realized they had other purposes and some of them wanted to be coaches. And that's where we started the coach training is because we thought that would be a good continuity from a business standpoint. It actually made sense because once they find love, what what do they, how do you keep them going? And, And they like the work. So a lot of them do that. And we still do focus. A lot of our clients are single. They come to us through that. They've read my book, Let Love In. I got it published in 2010. When everyone told me I would never get a publisher to publish my book, I said, I'm going to do it. It is a really good market because it's women that are searching for something and they haven't found their purpose yet either because they haven't found love. And so it all works out. And then it's just a great group. And then they meet their partner after they do the work and it's someone really amazing. And so, and a lot of times they're trying to get them to work with them (laughs) and partner with them and do what we do. So you still have it as an angle in the business, even if it's not like as important part of the business any longer? Yeah, we we teach people finding love and finding their purpose, success. We have courses and we have a, a Facebook group that we're basically, we do free life coaching in that they can come for anything. They don't necessarily want to be a coach. And then our graduates, we have a mentor program where the graduates actually mentor the people in the group. So they get to practice coaching and and do consults with them and sell coaching packages through us. And so it's really good for the graduates. It's good for the people. They get coaching. They get introduction to our work because it is very different than the mainstream self-help. So it's a little deeper. So very special people like it. And, uh, and so it's a really great way for everyone to grow and learn. And then some people just want love and they find love and they do the work and other people grow and want to be coaches or even do the work for their own personal development, do the life coach training for their own personal development. Yeah. I want to ask about the Jungian psychology. I don't think all my listeners know what that is and where that came from. And I think you are interpreting it like, you know, you're using it in a certain way. So, so can you explain a little bit about that? Okay. Well, this very easy. There's two aspects of personal development. And Jung is kind of the father, they say, of the new age movement, you know, because he went into all these other realms. But Freud and Jung, you've heard of Freud. And Jung is actually from Zurich. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, 
Okay. I should know then. <laughs> yeah, you should go to his house. It's really interesting. He, him and Freud studied together and Freud, you know, came up with all these, you know, he was like the godfather of psychology. And, but Freud was an atheist and he believed that there was only uh, our body and our brain and our patterns from our history and that's it. And Jung said, there has to be a bigger part of us. He had brought in the spiritual aspect and he said, there's another element to the unconscious that's collective because he saw like people have the same dreams and he's like, how do we all have the same thing? You know, these patterns are showing up. And so he came up with this other psychology and they broke away because Freud thought everything was a sexual urge <laughs> and like that kind of reproduction. And that's what everything is. And Jung saw the psyche as so much more complex and individual. And so what he... Freudian people, and you see this a lot with hypnotherapy, there's a lot of Freudians where they're reprogramming the mind and they're just kind of working on the, the conscious mind and the, like the patterns. And Jung is like, there's so much more to our mind. There's a collective psyche and there's archetypes and dreams that we can access. And so uh, Jung saw us as more than just reprogramming this little personality. It's that we're, there's something more to us and our true self is not our personality. It's something bigger and like a spiritual aspect. So some people call it their true self or the divine or something like that. So if you're a spiritual person, you should be paying attention more to young than the Freudian. So it depends. If you're an atheist, Freudian will work for you. But if you're more into the creative aspects of the mind and visualization and dream work, that's where young comes in. So... I hope that settles it. <laughs> that settles it very well. I love the explanation. And uh, I have my problem with Freud, but I guess it's... But he did so much for psychology. Of course, of course. I think there is no just negative to a person or someone that comes forward with work. But yeah, the whole point that everything leads to sex, I was like, wow, okay. I don't think life is that simple. <laughs> well, and Jung believed that he's like, women aren't like that. He said maybe men, uh, you know, but that's their urge. But women have a different, we're more social. We have, and that's what I love that you do uh, work with women because we are really the force of the world. I mean, we are the power of the world and we need to be more abundant so we can make bigger changes in the world. Mm. So coming to that, what is then your difference take or what, ha what has then developed on your behalf when you say, yeah, we're using young and psychology, but what does that look like today? Okay. Well, um, a lot of people, you will go to young analysts and they get psychoanalysis uh, and, uh, you know, they just kind of think about their dreams and, and, and it's more therapy. It's more about complexes and what my mama did to me and my daddy did to me. And our work is really about to seeing someone as their potential and that let's not look in the past as much. You know, we can understand it, but let's focus on creating. And that's what coaching is really about. It's not about healing and therapy. It's more about let's move forward. And yes, um, therapy, there is a, a need for it for people that have really serious issues. You know, they have some things they need to work through, but not everyone needs therapy. And so there's coaching is really a perfect way. And no one's ever brought Jungian theory into a coaching model. Because it is like, you know, we're, we're dealing with a lot of stuff in the psyche and there's a lot of healing and woundedness and, and, and those kind of words in when people talk about Jung and um, even his book, The Wounded Healer, he came up with that phrase. And so we're trying to updating it to more of a coaching model because there wasn't coaching in the time of Jung. And actually most of the women that's people that studied under him were women. And I feel like it's a real more of a feminine psychology because it's very creative. 
it's not like three steps and very uh, mechanical, like a masculine type of uh, motivation. It's more like, let's be creative and let's use our imagination and let's create and visualize and work with dreams. And it's much more rich for women. <laughs> I love that approach. It's like a, a feminine psychology in a way. Yes. But coaching, yeah, I loved how you explained that therapy is more looking at the past, you know, and, and coaching is moving forward. And that's exactly what we both are interested in. So let's talk about the shadow of success. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Well, Jung talked about this idea that we have, when we grow up as children, we create a persona, which is a socially a, ma a social mask that we wear. We have one on right now because we're doing a podcast. We're not in our underwear and <laughs> our hair messed up. We have this persona that we're coaches and, and we take on these roles, just like an actor in a play. We take on those roles and then we, the things that don't fit into that persona end up going in the shadow or we repress in our unconscious. So let's say, for example, that you grew up in a, in a household where it was better to keep the peace. So if it was, a, you know, if you made anyone upset, it was a bad thing. So you would have a pleasing personality. You would have this persona that's nice and pleasing. And most women have that because we have a desire to connect and not compete. We, we have that natural desire. So a lot of women have that pleasing disease that, <laughs> that other people don't have, the men don't have as much. And then we end up in our shadow is the raging bitch or the mean woman, woman, you know, that's just this terrible person that just is mean and selfish and harsh. And so we end up like pushing that away. But what happens is that we end up making decisions to avoid being that person. And then we end up sabotaging our, our success. For example, how many women do not want to charge too much for their services because they don't want to be mean or the client doesn't uh, show up and, and they, they're not living up to their plan, but you can't be mean, you can't be bitchy, and you, you have to be nice. And we're so afraid. I talked to so many coaches that are so afraid of upsetting their clients that they're going to lose the money or lose the client. And they're not, not really bold with them and ma making them stand up and keeping their boundaries. So this is a huge problem in the coaching industry. I'm sure you, with the women that you work with, boundaries with the clients and char will be willing to be charging more. And then also being able to be the leader too. A lot of us want to have the persona of like, we want to be part of the group and we don't want to be that, the show off. You know, so we have these personas, these these adaptive social uh, masks that we wear that we want everyone to see and perceive about us, just like a brand. It's like a perception. And then we're so locked into that, that we it keeps our behavior very rigid. And then we get triggered by people who exhibit the opposite. So whatever's in our shadow, we trigger. So Mary Jane, who's charging $50,000 for coaching, will be triggered by her because we'll be like, wow, she's who does she think she is? And she's overcharging and she's selfish and she's taking all the money. And, and then that's showing our shadow. That's showing our unwillingness to step into it. And so the key to changing it is integration, which means that you're not the nice person and you're not the bitchy person, that you can make a decision outside of that old conditioning and that you can actually say, I'm choosing to charge $50,000 for my services. And yeah, I may get some kickback, but I know that's my mind is telling me that. It's not really out there. I'm just getting, it's my own internal voice that's telling me it's wrong. 
And then what will happen is you'll, if you can work with that and not see it as they're really judging you, you're going to notice people liking you, like saying, wow, that's great. And you're actually going to help others charge more and lift up. But we tend to live in this mind of, um, as a child, to get along and be liked and be socially accepted. And it drives everything. And as women leaders, social acceptance is drives everything. I mean, we, but we have to be willing to stretch that a little bit in order to be leaders. So look at that um, Greta, that young girl that's talking about global warming. And she's like this young girl and she's being attacked. And it's like, you have to be willing to face those things because that's what we're really afraid of is that people aren't going to like us. And it's such a silly thing. Like, do you like yourself? Then that's fine. Then you're going to see that out there. That is a big one. Women are very afraid of not being liked. And, you know, I see that with myself, I see it with my clients. And you can then see someone like Greta Thunberg that actually doesn't care. Well, she might care a little, but, you know, it's uh, she is willing to go so far. And for me, she's just fighting for the environment. I'm like, why are people attacking her? I don't get it personally. It seems to be a lot of white middle-aged men. Big money is after her. Yeah. But here's the, here's the key. Your purpose has to be bigger than your ego. So when you're trying to be like, that's all ego. That's your little surface mask. Your purpose and what you want to do with your business has to be much bigger than preserving this little mask. And you have to sacrifice it. That's why they had sacrifices and rituals of sacrifice. You have to sacrifice the mask because there's a bigger purpose. And if your purpose is just to survive and make everyone like you, you're going to have a very tiny business. It's going to be really tiny or maybe non-existent. But if you're willing to put yourself out there, and, and it's not to cause conflict on purpose, but it's to be truthful to yourself and to be willing to reach out to people. That's You just have to get your ego out of the way. It's the same thing I, I teach my coaches with sales calls. Your ego is so involved, like when you're doing a sales call of... Are they liking me? Are they getting me? Are they, is it going to be too expensive? And uh, it's like, get your ego out of the way. This person is looking for help. Like, think of the bigger picture. And so that's really, I think, the, the beauty of Jungian psychology is to see these, like, why we do these things, but not only from a rational standpoint, because you and I could talk about this and everyone can have, oh, that's a great insight. But until you work with that feeling, that emotion that's really holding it in, it's not going to change. You're going to be unconsciously driven to keep that mask up. And so we have to go a little deeper than just understanding how the mechanism got in place. So we think of the emotion as the way we were triggered, the way we were hooked into it. And so the emotion is the way we unlock it. So we have to go in, got programmed with the emotion, we got to unprogram it. And we do that through when we are triggered by people, it's the perfect opportunity. It's showing us our shadow. So it's this, uh, the person that charges too much, the person that criticizes you, the person on social media that is trolling you, the one client who gives you a bad review, the person who's resistant or complaining all the time about your program and they're not getting results, they're triggering you, they're your best friend because they're showing you where you're holding yourself back. And that's really the key to freedom. And But what we most we, we want to do is avoid those people. We want to get rid of those difficult clients. We want to not look at our reviews. We want to cushion ourselves from those things, but that doesn't get rid of it. It doesn't really deal with it until we face it head on. Believe me, I've heard very terrible reviews on YouTube, um, my YouTube channel. I was called ugly and fat and 
it's stupid and you know all these things and i had to kind of work with that feeling and now i don't even notice them anymore even if they show up i'm like oh you know that's good for them that they feel that way and to not be triggered by that is such a powerful place to be and then you could stretch and do more and reach more and charge more without worrying about what everyone is you know liking you or not so this is a little bit opposite to uh, what many say. Like if someone is triggering you, and I, it doesn't even need to be uh, someone complaining or giving you a bad review or say something bad about you. It could be a person that's maybe just doing the things that you think you could be doing, but you're not. Yes. And I think that the comparison is, you know, you're like, why does this person get all the attention? Why is he getting speaking opportunities or invited to all the virtual summits or what, whatever that is? And you're like, what's going on? So that's triggering too. Yes. And so you look at that person. And so here's a great, really quick exercise you can do about that. Uh, so you, ask, you look at that person that's triggering you and you give them three adjectives. So a person who's getting all the, all the glory, right? They're getting all the attention, so they're taking. They're they're greedy, maybe. They're lucky, you know, whatever it is. Those three, and then you have to ask yourself, how do I avoid being like that? Like, how do I avoid being in the spotlight? You know, uh, getting all those opportunities, and uh, how does that limit my life? There's something negative, like there's something that ego perceives as negative when we see that person succeed and we're triggered. There's something bad about what they're doing. Yeah. We've decided it's something bad, but it isn't actually bad. That's what you're saying. And here, yeah, here's the thing is there's something in us that we unconsciously that we think it's bad. That's why they're, we're triggered by it. Now, if we're admiring these people, we are actually aligning with our unconscious potential. But if we are judging them and mad at them and feeling like jealous then that's our own, there's some fear we have around being like them. And a lot of people, actually, a lot of my clients would tell me that they don't want other people to be jealous of them because they're, they're succeeding. So there you go. So it's like, it's all about social acceptance. And one thing we have to remember is that our business is a business. It's not us. It's an extension of us and it's an expression of us. But a lot of people are working out their personal issues with their business and it's getting all mess. It's like getting infused, and they're not really looking at it from a business standpoint. They're looking at it from a personal feed my ego standpoint. And um, and we have to remember that. And the more successful you are, will um, relate to how much you're able to separate yourself from that kind of ego uh, needing to be good. Now you can be successful through that. I mean, there's a lot of egotistical very successful men and women out there, as you know, but you notice they all have the, the shadow ends up coming to them because if they're putting themselves up on this pedestal that I am the great teacher, the shadow of that is that they're the failure and something will happen to them. Like uh, their business partner will uh, steal their money or their part, your marriage will fall apart. Or we've heard this people get exposed for personal issues that the affairs they've had. And it's like, if they own it too much, it's an inflated ego. And so we, the, the mask gets inflated and we think we are this great thing. And that's, you know, we see this in politics and we see this in celebrities. We see this in the coaching industry and entrepreneur industry. So we have to keep it 
we have to get our personal stuff out of it. And we also have to see that there's a bigger reason why we're doing what we're doing. It's not just to feed our ego. And if you can identify what that purpose is, it'll just be much easier and your business will be much more enjoyable instead of always like a needing to go to the uh, a psychological uh, meditation retreat to recover from your business, you know? Yeah. So what if, if people just don't deal with it? Is that when everything starts to fall apart at some point? Yes, because every if you're building up yourself as this persona, you're building up shadow in the background and eventually something's going to break. Or you'll just have a heart attack or your health will fail or something because it's, think of your psyche as energy, like your thoughts have energy. And so whatever you're repressing, it takes energy to push it back. So you could feel it sometimes when you don't want to feel something, you feel that like kind of energy moving in your body. And if you do that enough, that's where anxiety and stress comes from. It's like we're afraid to feel something and we're kind of, it's like a beach ball that we're pushing under the water. And we don't want it to come up. So we're pushing it and pushing it. And so there's so much energy in repressing what we don't want to feel. And we're not giving energy to creating anymore. We're just kind of like in that management cycle, the emotional management system. And so what we want to do is we want to open up the emotions. We want to feel things. We want to not be afraid to get triggered. And that's how the energy moves. That's how creativity happens. And that's where we really feel free. And not only just being around people that like us and getting rid of clients that are difficult and and just being like positive all the time. That's a lot of work. (laughs) It's much easier to just let it all in (laughs) and just enjoy it and and be the force that's beyond this little ego that's uh, working to create. It sounds more work in the beginning, but I guess that's the part of, I don't want to say healing because we said, yeah, this is not about therapy, but it it sounds like something you need to go through in order to come out on the other side. Yes. And it doesn't have to take long. I mean, you know, Jung named the dark night of the soul. If you don't deal with this, you will have a dark night of the soul. And uh, that's really scary. So it's always preventative uh, to do is if you start working on your shadow and you start kind of working with triggers, you really can start to feel more energy, actually. It feels though you're working with these terrible emotions and it's like this terrible thing. But what you're actually doing is you're just, it's like digestion. You're digesting them. They're just kind of like rocks in your stomach. And then what we're doing when we're allowing ourselves to feel them and process them, they start to digest and they can be there without us trying to compartmentalize. And it really is a, a very powerful, freeing feeling once you go through that shadow work and shadow is such a dark word, but it, it, think about it. It's like, it's the light that's cast, you know, it's a, there's light and there's darkness. It's like duality. And what we want to do is get out of that duality of good and bad and accept it all. And then we're free. And then we can really make decisions from our conscious, powerful mind than the conditioning. Most people are making decisions in their business based on the decisions they made when they were like eight years old you know, to preserve the social structure and their persona. And we want to grow up in our business. We want to be powerful leaders. And that's the way to do it. So you said before that when you realize you have a trigger, not push it away, don't, don't, you know, not unfollow the person necessarily, allow it to happen and, and feel the emotion, whether it's jealousy or anger or frustration. And then somehow you know, what is the work then? Like, okay. So you feel the feeling, 
And we do, we do this process, it's called metaconsciousness, which means above your consciousness. So we all have it. We're all aware that we're thinking, right? You're aware that you're doing a podcast with me. So the part that's aware is kind of like a, our pure awareness and then our thinking mind. So there's two aspects of our conscious mind. So what we're doing is we're just watching ourselves have the feeling. And what the questions you should ask yourself is, what am I defending? Like, why is this person a threat to me? Why is this random person on Facebook who said a mean thing about me? What am I defending? And you're going to start to hear, like, as you sit with the feeling, you're going to want to run away from it. And it's like, what am I pushing this away? Why is this so scary? And if you think about it, Sigrun, it's just a feeling. <laughs> it's just a sensation in the body. It has no weight to it. It's not going to kill you. It's just a tightness or whatever. And we make these stories up that the whole world's going to end if everyone hates me and my business is going to crumble. And and the mind creates this like a big illusion. And so what we do when we sit with it is we're kind of like facing the dragon basically. And and we're we're letting the feeling be there and saying, you know what, you're not scaring me anymore. And it's okay to feel jealous. It's okay to feel triggered. And you're like, oh, and you could just start to, what happens with our clients is they start to say, oh, that's interesting. I was triggered with that. And then they kind of just do their little process and it just becomes easier and easier. And they, it, it really is when we're triggered, we're giving that other person power. And when we work with the feeling, we're reclaiming it. And we're saying, you know, I know there's just something for me in here. They, and then you end up really being appreciative of these nasty people online because, and the pe people that are mean and the people that you're jealous of, because they're really showing you, you know, what's stopping you. And we wouldn't be able to grow without them. If everyone told you how great you were all the time and you surround yourself with yes people, you would never grow. And so we need to see what's going on unconsciously. And that's, they're our perfect mirror. And they play, play sometimes mean tricks on us, but they are um, really our best friend. So they play a role in our growth in a way that we just have to realize what is it about it that's triggering me that could, you know, what, what do I need to change? Well, and it's not even change, but I have to stop where I'm, what I'm not accepting or what am I misperceiving? And um, this idea that you can be a leader and never get criticism is insane. You know, we, we kind of have this like unrealistic expectation that everyone's going to love us and everyone's going to agree with us and uh, money's always going to flow the way we want it to. And, uh, and when it doesn't, we have to figure out what this is. A really another one that I think a lot of the entrepreneurs deal with is money issues. You know, when they're, the cash flow is tight, you have to stop giving money so much power if you're, you're giving the money power, it's like you're chained to it. You know, you're happy when the bank account's up, you're stressed when it's down and you're tied into it and it's exhausting and you're really your ego. And then, so you have to really look at why is money have all this power over me? What is really going on? And it's not about money. It's about social acceptance. It's about, I don't want to be that homeless man on the corner and kicked out from the group. And when we examine it and we say, oh, that's what it is, we can actually create money without the need to compensate. I know when I first started doing um, coaching and personal development, I want to be a seven-figure coach. You know, I got to be seven figures. I got to reach that number. And it was like my ego was so attached to that, that somewhere I'd be socially accepted in a better way because I was like the nerd in high school and maybe, you know, now I'll be the cool person, you know. And so we start, you know, making these false metrics to fill our ego. And then we get triggered when other people do 
get it faster than us or they have a bigger launch than us. And so all that stuff is really important for us to pay attention to and how we get caught up in it. So we don't get caught up in it because being an entrepreneur should be a fun, exciting, creative place. It shouldn't be this emotionally draining process. It, it can be much easier if we know what's going on inside our mind. Mm. So to sum it up, shadow of success is identifying the shadow and dealing with it. Identifying the hidden drivers that are affecting your results in your business. They could be good too. Like sometimes you're not aware of how how awesome you are, you know, because what's in the shadow, if your persona is I'm this average person, the shadow of that is this amazing person, right? So when you see these people like Oprah and these uh, Greta doing these big things and you're like, oh, that's not me, that they're your shadow. And so to be able to, you know, see what you're creating and then integrate that shadow and, and accept that that's you too, that's a potential within you, then you can start seeing different results in your business. It really will, once you become aware, you can't change what you're not aware of and if you're not aware of it, it's just going to, uh, Jung says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you'll think of it as fate. And so your business will be fated to follow that old programming and that old social acceptance until you become aware of it. And then you have a choice. And that's really what it is. It's not about how much money you do, what you do with it. It's more the choice that you're choosing it now. You're choosing to have a seven-figure business because you want to. Not because you feel like everyone else is doing it and it's something that you need to do to fit in. Uh, and I think a lot of people, maybe they just want a small business. Maybe they just want something easy. So asking yourself those questions, what's driving you? Yeah. It's been a wonderful talk, Deborah, and I'm so glad we finally did this. I'm so glad. To. <laughs> what is the best way for people to find you online? We'll link it up in the show notes, of course, but you have a new website. Yes, creativemindmethod.com. That's the name of our, our process. And uh, we also have a Facebook page that has all of our stuff that people can go find us on Facebook. And uh, we have all our events and a Facebook group, free coaching group if people want to join that. But Creative Mind Method, everything's there as well. And uh, we have some great free, free tools for people to work with the shadow, visualizations, and it's a really great conversation, and really wonderful work. Yeah, it is. And positive, no healing. <laughs> yeah, positive, moving forward. Yes. Thank you so much, Deborah. It's been a pleasure, and I'm excited to see the next steps that you're going to take. Thank you. And good luck to you with your big event coming next year. Amazing speakers have been announced for the Self-Made Summit and more speakers will be announced in the coming months. But now, and only up until December 1st, 2019, you can secure your early bird ticket. Go to the show notes at sig.com forward slash 349 where you can find out more about the Self-Made Summit and secure your early bird ticket. Plus, you'll find all the links to Deborah Maldonado and Creative Mind Media. Thank you for listening to The Sigrun Show. Did you enjoy this episode? Let me know that you listened by tagging me in your Insta story or Instagram post using my handle Sigrun.com and the hashtag Sigrun Show. See you in the next episode.